Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Don't right. edit out that amen. That's the real, that was the real one. That's the real amen. Yes and amen. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Behind the Podcast, episode four. Today, you've got me, Daniel, and my counterpart, Carl, here. Hello. Yes. Chad is in Israel along with Joe, and they've given us young guys the keys to the podcast bus. Oh, uh uh-oh. And we don't have our CDL. No, we do not. We are not licensed to drive this thing, but we'll do our best. And um, <clears throat> we're excited to dive in. The last couple of weeks, we've been uh, on Sunday morning looking at Revelations chapter or Revelation chapter chapters four and five, and uh, and so a lot of amazing um, revelation about God on the throne. Jesus is the Lamb who was slain. And so, Carl, why don't you just give some thoughts, like, as we're, you know, because, again, we're, we're trying, God is trying to communicate to us right. spiritual realities, right. <laughs> um, as, and us being physical beings, uh, it's, it, it's sometimes a little hard to connect with, or, you know, it's, right. it's incredible, it, it's awe-inspiring, and then also it's kind of like, but what? Right. And so... How has that been hitting you? What are some what are some big things that have been sticking out to you as we've been going through these last couple of chapters, seeing the throne room of God and Yeah. 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 So um well, the throne room of God, that is one of my favorite passages in Revelation. Mm-hmm. Second to like Revelation twenty one, New Heaven, New Earth. Yeah. Love that. But uh Revelation four has really struck me and stuck with me when it comes to um just the glory of God and actually being able to kind of perceive that a little bit and what it's like that everybody who is there is just absolutely gripped by the presence of God. And it's not like this fake thing, you know, like sometimes we nowadays, I mean, there's this really famous phrase and uh, in growing in a competency, fake it till you make it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this image here that we see in heaven, in the throne room of God, is a reality where they are gripped. They're not faking. They are just overwhelmed by the presence of God. And one thing that's really stuck out to me um, over the years, and one thing I've just become like fixated with, are those four creatures. Mm. I love those four (laughs) creatures. And at first, the first time I remember reading that, I was really like, okay. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't love it right away. Yeah. It was just like these four creatures, all these wings, a bull's head, a lion's head, all this other yeah. stuff. And truthfully, when I read that at first, I was just like, huh? <laughs> and it, it kind of like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know exactly what was going on in me, but it kind of made me want to like move on yeah. and like go for it. Cause I just like, I was like, the Bible is really talking about winged creatures with all these heads. It's interesting how when I read the word and I came across these creatures, I was just like, ooh, like, I don't know about that. Um, whereas like when I'm, you know, sitting in a movie theater, you know, like watching Avengers and I see these crazy creatures come out of this space warp time tunnel, <laughs> these like huge <laughs> lizards, like belly rolling through the sky. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, that's awesome. And I think part of it is because like, 
I'm going to the movie theater for entertainment. Yeah. I'm going to God's word for something that intersects with reality, yeah. like something that's real. Mm-hmm. And so when I see this, these creatures that are above my imagination or that kind of remind me of like mythology and stuff, I'm kind of like, this can't be real. Mm-hmm. However, I <clears throat> started to, I think it's like a, a faith testing thing, but I started to think about um, the experience of people um, back in the day when they first saw like a hippopotamus and they were just like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. this thing is absolutely huge (laughs) and powerful and goofy looking but that thing is crazy powerful (laughs) or like an alligator just a giant lizard in a swamp that swims and has got this huge mouth like the awe that would be inspired in people when they see this thing is like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I can't believe this is real. Or even like, we've all seen the movie Nemo, right? You know, when they're in the deep sea and they can't see, and then there's that crazy like fish. fish, Yeah, Yeah, it's an anglerfish. It's called like the black sea devil. (laughs) And it makes sense because it's got these crazy teeth and this, it has a light on its head. Yeah. And so in that case, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I couldn't make that up. That's like beyond my... So all all this to say, like, if God can fill the earth with a vast array of species Mm -hmm. that are uniquely created, that in many ways are above our imagination before we see them, why can't he do that in heaven as well? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, why can't he do that as well? And so I, I know that God creates everything differently and uniquely with different strengths and capabilities so that they can perceive and praise God Mm -hmm. in a unique way. Yeah. Right. And now like Mm -hmm. even throughout scripture, we see like first in John one, three through him, all things were made. So everything's created by him. And also Psalm 19, one, the night sky, right? Like Mm -hmm. the stars, they declare the glory of God, Mm -hmm. right? Like the mountains and hills sing his praise. Isaiah 43, 20, the wild animals glorify God. Everything is made to give him glory. And so these creatures that are around God's throne, these winged creatures with different heads, with all these eyes, they are created uniquely, like all of creation, to perceive God in a unique way and to glorify him uniquely. And the Mm -hmm. reason why I love this, these four creatures is because they're just covered with eyes, which I'm like, that is a crazy thing to think about. A lot of blinking involved, (laughs) (laughs) but they, (laughs) they have a front row seat. Yeah. Right by the throne of God at all four angles. And all of these eyes are fixed on God. So we can assume they've got great vision. Mm -hmm. They're just taking in the image of God. And they themselves, from eternity past to eternity future, are genuinely overwhelmed by what they see. Continually, forever. Mm-hmm. And that just blows my mind because I'm going from one thing to the next, trying to find a deeper level of like entertainment or satisfaction. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I've seen this movie too many times. I want to go for something. Else. Oh, I've seen this before. This is kind of, uh. and we're always kind of like nowadays looking for something new and unique and whatever. But can you imagine just looking at one thing and being completely transfixed and satisfied and just pouring your heart out again and again and again? Holy, holy, holy Mm -hmm. is the Lord God Almighty. Yeah. Like that is insane. Mm -hmm. So to me, that really gives me 
a lot of hope going forward in the future. Cause I know like on earth things get old hat fast. Mm -hmm. Right. But I, I know that even though I'm going to spend eternity with God, it's not going to be boring. Yeah. And forever, my entire being will be overwhelmed by who he is. Yeah. Just by looking at him. Mm -hmm. Like my estimation, like there's this old song, um, will I stand in your presence to my knees? Will I fall? Will I sing for you, Jesus? Mm -hmm. Will I be able to speak at all? My estimation, I'm guessing that I'm just going to cry for a thousand years. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I'm overwhelmed. Just because I'd be overwhelmed with like, the old is gone. The new has come. You're better than I could have imagined. So I, yeah, I just love that. I love that. I'm excited to experience that. Yeah. And I think, you know, another thing too, you just got me going on. You just got me going. man. Yeah, dude. But it's, it it is incredible to think about being in eternity with God. Right. And how I think a lot of times there is this thing of like, we're even, you know, we're just trying to get little tastes of it now, but you know, we're living within the constraints of time and we think about you know, how long have I been here? <laughs> right. And in heaven, when there is no end point, what is that going to be like when we're on the new earth? And it's just like, mm. Hey, Carl, you want to come hang out for like a hundred years <laughs> at my house? And it's like, of course I've got, I've got nothing but time, mm. you know? And I, and, and so anyway, I, that, that is, that is amazing. And I think it's, it's incredible to think about that. The, the the revelation of God that is coming through that John is getting and the, that these that these living creatures are experiencing continually over and over again you know we see things in this world like when I was on I was on my honeymoon with Amber Lynn and we were in this uh, little spot right by the North Shore mm. and sometimes on Lake Superior they'll get some pretty massive waves and the and we were there at the right time of year where these huge waves are just crashing on this shore and she took this hilarious video of me like she was kind of back in the room and I was sitting there by the these big windows that were looking out at the lake and I was just like whoa <laughs> just and completely unaware of anybody else like she you know it was just I was just captivated whoa were you actually verbalizing that yeah like, I was, oh I was literally God. saying it out loud whoa (laughs) and so she's taking a video and i was like you gotta come see this whoa oh whoa that one was huge and then so then i turned around because she was being really quiet and then i caught her filming me and i so anyway it's a fun it's a really funny memory but there is something like even in an imperfect world we have these moments where we see something that is so captivating so beautiful kind of awe-inspiring and that was just some waves on lake superior Mm. And you think about that compared to the one who made it all. <laughs> there's no, there's not even, it's, it's, it's impossible to yeah, comprehend, man. but I love that. And because, you know, we, I think throughout all, all of scripture, God is revealing himself, but here in the book of revelation, we get a different view of what it's like in the spiritual realm mm-hmm. and these realities and, uh, and, and to take us kind of into chapter five, that's really what I see with Jesus. And because I just love the view of the gospel that we get in chapter five, because mm-hmm. I think for most of us, when we, when, if we were to answer the question, like, you know, just boiled down, what is, what is the good news? A lot of times we say something along the lines of like, Jesus died on the cross for my sin, which is a hundred percent accurate, but it also is so much more than that. Right. And like he did literally physically die on a cross, 
but the gospel has way more to it and not just the physical things because Jesus did live a physical life as a hundred percent human. He, he literally never sinned, like never committed a physical sin, never, you know, had a, had a wrong thought like those kind of things experienced all the same temptations that we did, but did it perfectly. And so he, he literally did all those things physically for us and we can relate to that. And so that's kind of the part of the gospel we focus on. Right. But in chapter five of revelation, as we see the lamb who was slain, we see Jesus as the one who has done all of this stuff on a cosmic right. level and a spiritual level. And that there's actually in the spiritual realm, there is this exchange of this scroll and this. And so anyway, in it, in it, in some ways it's more intangible than him physically coming and dying on the cross, which is like, you know, obviously that's, that's, was him revealing to us his heart for us and, and how far he was willing to go to, to save us. But <clears throat> seeing him as the lamb slain in this way, I think it just casts a much richer light on all that Jesus has done and how unique he is and all that he uh, accomplished for us in the gospels or in through the gospel and through his, his life, death, resurrection, ascension, mm -hmm. and then his return as we'll see in in revelation so it's pretty pretty incredible um so let's kind of continue talking about um what you were talking about a little bit because we got a question asking about this phrase that comes up a lot in revelation talking about the seven spirits of god right and i think what you were talking about with the the diversity of spiritual beings that we right. see especially in revelation and we do see it throughout a lot of the Old Testament, too. We see even different names for different types of, right. you know, we we use a general term angels and then maybe a general term demons. Right. Um, but it seems like within those blanket terms, there's even more specific kind of spiritual beings that the Bible talks about. Um, you know, we see, peop we see some of these angelic beings or spiritual beings given... Um, specific names like Gabriel or Michael or whatever they're, they're given personal names. And then uh, also we see kind of subcategories like seraphim right. or cherubim or, or, you know, different things like that. So um, the question was, you know, what is the, what is it talking about when it talks about these seven spirits of God and how, how sure. do we, how do we contextualize that or approach that? What does that, what does that look like? So right. would you give some thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I think maybe some of the, Maybe some of the important distinctions to make is how that uh, these seven spirits are distinct from the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. And how the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, the Godhead, three in one. He is himself God. Mm -hmm. Whereas the seven spirits are more so, like you said, some of the part of the host of heaven, mm -hmm. right? And so it's something that I've always found interesting is there isn't that much in the biblical canon given to us describing these beings. Yeah. There isn't like a, ch a, ch a book on it, right? right? Right. Like there isn't like, oh, this is who this is and this is what they do. Um, and I've always found that interesting, but because a lot of us, I think, are, you know, captivated by these terms like mm -hmm. seven spirits, like mm -hmm. what? Or cherubim, seraphim, what? Like, what is that? And to me, I've just taken that as like, okay, God, why wouldn't you give us a little bit more about that? And I think partially it's because he's given us what we need for this life. Yeah. He, he obviously brings these things up 
and he points to them and he says, this is what's happening. Um, but we don't always exactly know why. Mm -hmm. And, um, honestly, that doesn't bother me all that much. And I know that maybe like some people with a lot more of a, you know, super inquisitive need to know, like all of the, this, that, and the other thing might have a little bit more of an itch to kind of like figure that out. But to me, I'm like, okay, this to me seems like it's part of the heavenly host. They went out into the, all the earth and I receive it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, cause you know, and, and just, just because I think the, again, the, the approach that we're trying to take to the whole book is give, is give as much of a humble posture as we can. Right. There's a, there are, there are plenty of, um, of scholars or commentators that do take that seven spirits, um, to mean, to literally mean the Holy spirit. That's how some people contextualize that. Um, and, uh, and I've heard maybe a couple other views too, but yeah, I think the most compelling is kind of what you're talking about that, that these are distinct spiritual beings. And, and again, as you were talking about before, it's, it, it seems to, and I think when you look through the old Testament, there, there seems to be kind of a, a, a common held belief that there is a vast array of diversity right in in the spiritual realm i think that's something in our culture we've kind of lost a little bit we tend to think very physical very tangible and it's kind of like yes this world and this is you know god kind of relates to us in this world and then yeah also there's some angels and there's also some demons and it's we just kind of a very kind of thin view of that um versus like yeah you think about the diversity of creation right in the physical creation there's probably a bit more diversity. Um, it just, just for some, you know, f- if you're really curious about that, um, I don't want to go too in depth on some of those things, but if you're really curious about, you know, what does the Bible say about other created spiritual beings? One really intriguing passage is in Psalm 82. Yeah. Um, I'll just read a bit of it, but it says, God stands in the divine assembly. And he pronounces judgment among the gods, little g, gods, or like among the other spiritual beings. He says, how long will you ju- judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? So basically God is casting judgment. And then ju- just jumping down, he says, um, I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the most high. However, you will die like humans and fall like any other ruler. So there is this thing like yeah. you see in Psalm 82, that's a, that's a passage that maybe with our more Western mentality, we sometimes might approach that in like, uh, what, yeah, like, what right. is that even talking about? I don't know. Right. You skip it. Like, yeah. I'm just going to go back to Psalm 23, <laughs> <clears throat> but obviously there's something going on here that God is that, um, the song, and this is a Psalm of Asaph, but there's something that he's tapping into here. Um, that probably to the the original readers of this, it wouldn't have been that strange. They would have been like, yeah, there are spiritual beings that have some rule and authority. They haven't carried that well, and God will bring judgment on them. Right. So um, anyway, you can you can go and read more on that. And then also one, one scholar who's written extensively on this topic is a guy named Michael Heiser, who recently passed, but his, uh, his book called The Unseen Realm, he also has another book that's shorter. I think it's called What God Wants or something like yeah. that. Um, those are some great... Uh, resources if you want to see that kind of perspective on um, maybe a, a, a broader view of what God did when he created the heavens, the spiritual realm, and the earth. So 
That's a great question. Thank you for your question. Um, the next one, the next question that came in was about just the this idea of apocalyptic writing. And so we've been talking about that term a little bit. And, um, and so one of the things, you know, it's, it's kind of a big question. One of the things I wanted to talk about is, um, you know, the term apocalyptic is sometimes a, a loaded term. Yeah. Um, and so can you just give a little, a couple of thoughts, Carl, about what is, you know, when we, when we use the term for a revelation that it's a, an apocalypse or it's an apocalyptic book, what does that kind of mean? What are we getting yeah. at there? And how is that kind of maybe not always the same as the kind of loaded term that that has become? Right. Yeah. So like this word apocalypse uh, finds its root actually in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. Like that's what it is translated in Greek. Yeah. Like I don't remember apocaly apocalyptos or something mm -hmm. like that. I, I, don't, I was looking it up a while ago. But it's interesting how this book of Revelation has given... And, and over hundreds of years extrapolated even into a, uh, a literary style, yeah. a genre yeah. of writing, mm -hmm. apocalyptic literature. You know, like, I mean, I'm talking about modern day people writing about the end of the world and stuff yeah. like that yeah. in stories and fiction and all yep. that kind of stuff. Um, and so, um, unfortunately, that has in many ways tainted how we view it in a biblical sense like taking all these stories, like the Left Behind series. I think we talked about that before. That one has had huge ramifications in how we see like the end of mm -hmm. all things. Mm -hmm. And that was just a fiction book. Yeah. A book, a work of fiction. Um, and so I think that, uh, yeah, it, especially in our modern days, has taken on this whole different form and it's maybe even changed from its original roots, which find itself in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. And so what, what kind of are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think ultimately what we're talking about is like when, when we're talking about the, the, the literary genre that, that is the book of Revelation, the reason that we bring that up as a term is just because whenever you read a different literary style, you have to put on a slightly different lens. Right. So just like we would kind of naturally know, like somebody hands you a poem and we know when you often even just by looking at how that is on the page, yeah, you kind of know right. it's a poem. It's like short lines divided up. The sentences aren't just running in paragraphs. It's, it's kind of, um, e even the structure of it can look a little different. And so you just know, oh, I'm reading poetry right now. Right. And so it, that doesn't, you know, and just because you're reading the genre poetry doesn't necessarily mean that the, the things you're reading aren't real or true. Right. They could be very real and very true, but you just have a slightly different lens that you bring to that knowing that, okay, this person is going to use probably some metaphor or some simile or some imagery right. to talk about a much bigger concept than, um, you know, than just maybe you catch at first glance, like maybe right. there's something deeper going on here being communicated and versus like you open the newspaper and read a newspaper article. It's a, it's a different, it's a different thing. And so even just as we think about reading, this book of revelation it's just trying to bring the correct kind of lens and i think what can happen is when you try to bring like you read revelation like you're reading a history textbook you're probably going to miss it a little bit because even as we talk about something you know just because we've been talking about this a lot like these four living creatures yes we are getting a physical description 
but of a spiritual being. So you can't just draw a picture and be like, that's what it is. You're, you're trying, like, again, John is trying to, and the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate what this spiritual being is like that doesn't necessarily have a physical body. So you can't just draw a physical body and that's what it is. So that, that just kind of is a, uh, the lens that we take when we read. And that's why it's important to acknowledge what is kind of the literary genre that we're reading. Um, but yeah, I think apocalypse tends to be this thing of like, it's really bad. It's really negative. It's the end of the world. It's a lot of like terrible stuff. And actually for the initial readers of, of revelation and even throughout all the old Testament, when they would talk about you know, the day of the Lord, right. when God would bring judgment, it was something to be celebrated. Yes. And it was also slightly terrifying, too, Yeah. Um, just because it's uh, the judgment of the Lord is not something to be, you know, it's it's not a light thing. It's it's this is final. This is what God says. Um, but at the same time, it is when he makes all things right mm-hmm. and makes all things new. And so it actually is more to do with hope than it right. is to do with um, how everything is going to burn, you know? Yeah. So that's just, hopefully that kind of answered your question. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's a really great question. This last question here that we have today is, um, is asking about, and I think this is a great question. It says, what happens with the Holy Spirit once the second coming has happened? And is he involved in the new heaven and earth? I thought that was such a good question. Yeah, seriously. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit just about the Holy Spirit and just give a bit of a, of a view of the Trinity. Um, yeah. Yeah, why don't you take a crack at that? Yeah, oh. so um, the, yeah, Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, right? Mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there's uh, a scholar who is really well-versed in this, I think he specializes in Trinitarian um, expression or whatever. What does he say? Trinitarian. I don't know, man. Something. Fred Sanders. Yeah, Fred Sanders. Fred Sanders. He's great. Um, But the way he talks about uh, the Trinity is really understandable Mm -hmm. and also really captivating. Because he he talks about it as in like people try to make all of these different um, illustrations as to what the Holy Spirit's like. It's like an apple. There's skin, there's flesh, there's seeds. And he's like, ah, all those kind of like fall apart. Yeah. And so the way that he likes to describe the Trinity is just in plain biblical language, biblical expression. He says, well, there's the Father and everything proceeds from the Father. He sends the Son to the earth mm-hmm. and he also commissions and sends the Holy Spirit. Right? Like when Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit comes. They have their own jobs, functions, mm-hmm. but they're all three in one. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that really like gave clarity to like their roles and what they do. But then the part that's really winning for me and that um, I've spent some time thinking about contemplating and has been good for my own personal faith, he talks about how the Holy Spirit has forever from eternity past to eternity future, existed in perfect loving union, mm-hmm. right? Like First John says, God is love. He does not need anything. Yeah. What is that word? It starts with an A. Do you remember oh, what yeah. I'm talking I'll about? I'll think about it. You keep going. You, I'll yeah. think of it. So like that word gets at how he 
needs nothing. Aseity. Aseity, yes. I love that. He needs nothing. He has everything he needs within himself in this perfect loving unity. And, and he talks about how the Father is loving the Son, and the Son is loving the Holy Spirit, and they're giving, receiving, reciprocating this love and experiencing this perfect union. Mm-hmm. And so when we're invited into relationship with God, we're not invited because we have something great to offer, Yeah. right? We're invited to just step in and receive, give and reciprocate and experience this perfect union and experience what we were made for, um, which is just so winning. And so this is the picture that we have in eternity, right? Mm -hmm. When uh, it says in Revelation 21, 3, heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Mm -hmm. And so it's this picture of dwelling with him completely, this complete unity where we are completely freed from our sinfulness, our sinful flesh, given new resurrection bodies, and we'll be able to be present with him forever. And so I don't, I don't take that as like the Holy Spirit, like leaving or going away. Right. Like if anything, it's, we are more unified. We are perfectly sanctified and together with him, perfect, um, sanctuary dwelling place temple for the holy spirit in eternity mm-hmm. um so yeah absolutely and i think you know just I, I i love questions that get at the trinity because i think recovering our sense of the trinity is really important to understanding even the gospel because like you were saying i think for me you know being getting to hear that talk from fred sanders yeah um that he gave at that theology conference <clears throat> it really that began to shift some things in me and just my confidence in my relationship with God because, because the love that I experience from God is not, it does not originate between me and God first. Right. It, it, yeah. It's a love that originates within God himself. Right. And so it's an everlasting, eternal love that has no, none of me in the equation. And I'm invited into it. Right. And, it, and so it just gives this like incredible, like, if, if Jesus, if that, if, if me becoming a child of God through what Jesus did for me means that I've stepped into an eternal love relationship with God that has, no, it, I, I was never a part of the equation. I don't need to be part of the equation, but I'm invited in. That just gives me such a, a, a firm foundation. It's just mm-hmm. such a stability in, in the kind of relationship I can experience within that eternal love of God that has always existed within himself. I think that's incredible to recover our, you know, just our understanding or gain some more understanding and how important it is that God is three in one. And it's, it's also a great mystery. So we can never fully perfectly describe the Trinity. And I think it's one of the things that just is transcendent about who God is, that he's three who's and one, what three distinct (laughs) persons and in one, um, and so part of that is a mystery, but there are some things that are, you know, talked about in, in the Bible. So I, th- I, I, that's why I love this question. And I think, you know, you see some, some clear references, obviously, especially the chapters we've been in. God the Father sitting on his throne, chapter 4. Jesus, the Lamb who was slain, coming in and taking the scroll, chapter 5. Um, and some people would take, again, we, we kind of reference this, the seven spirits. Sometimes, sometimes people are like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. I don't necessarily think so. Um, 
But at the same time, it, and it, it could be, but at the same time, one of the clearest pictures as far as when, when we look at the new heavens and new earth in Revelation chapter 2, it starts with talking about, or did I say chapter 2? I meant yes. Revelation 22, chapter 22. That there's a, a stream of living water flowing from the throne of, it says flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And so that, that stream inner imagery is um, a direct reference to the Holy Spirit in his presence. And um, you, we were talking about before, I think you had that Ephesians passage where, you t- um, where it says how the Holy Spirit is given to us as a guarantee. Yes of our redemption. Right. And so he's given to us now, but he's never taken away. We're joined when, when we step into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we are given the Holy Spirit as a seal and we, um, and yeah, and, and we continue to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit for the rest of eternity. So right now, that is that is what we get. That is right. our seal. We don't get our resurrection bodies right, right away. We don't get, you know, we're not fully sanctified right away, but we get the Holy Spirit right, right. away. And that is our first taste of eternity is that is that intimate relationship with mm-hmm. God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and that lasts forever. And honestly, then once we do step once we do step into eternity, um that just becomes even more real, right. like a, a richer experience. Because right now we we are also still battling our sinful flesh, right. and so that really impacts the way that we are able to interact with God by His Holy Spirit, His indwelling Holy Spirit. Um, and so once we are completely renewed, a hundred percent, the Holy Spirit will be in even you know, he's not more present necessarily, but right. we will have a, a richer experience yes. of relationship with the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And so from the inside, which is what we experience now, and uh, we will even have a richer experience of God's presence all around, not mar you know, not marred by the, um, the fall, the fall. Exactly. So that's <clears throat> what we have to look forward to. So anyway, yeah. that's a great question. And uh, hopefully that was helpful. Um, and please do uh, be sending us more questions. We love it. It helps us. Um, otherwise, you're just going to have to hear us <laughs> say weird stuff that maybe doesn't even make sense. So if you if you have questions as we go through Revelation, I'm sure we're, we're stepping into um, some some even more kind of difficult passages, I would say, as far as just some of the some of the uh, imagery and stuff like that is not. Um, super clear. Not always super clear. So I hope there's more questions that come <laughs> through that we can talk about on the podcast.